Hello, everyone, and welcome to Interactions and Attractions, a podcast that explores rural tourism and all that North Carolina has to offer. I'm your host, Carol Klein, part of the Uplift program and a tourism professor at Appalachian State University. And I am so excited to embark on this adventure with all of our listeners and special guests. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the ins and outs of the tourism industry through conversations with some of the brightest minds in the industry. From seasoned tourism experts to inspiring community leaders and valuable state partners, we'll hear their stories, insights, and passions for the destinations that they hold dear. Come along with us to discover how tourism can aid the local economy, preserve ecosystems, and celebrate the diversity of our cultures. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Interactions and Attractions. Today, we are here with Marquise Cruz, and Marquise is the Program Analyst and Grants Manager at the North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office, which we like to call NC Pro. Welcome, Marquise. Ah, uh, Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Um, you, you know, Marquise, uh, I've gotten to know you a little bit in the, in the last year or so as some of the projects that um, I've been working on intersect with uh, your world. And, and I want the listeners to hear about your world because it's so cool what you do and what you have done. You've worked for many rural, um, well, you've worked for rural North Carolina in many different capacities. And so tell us about some of these and then tell us what you do at NC Pro. Okay, sure, sure, Carol. This has uh, been a very interesting and unexpected journey, but uh, I started back in this line of work with Department of Commerce. I've been in Division of Community Assistance, where they ran a state CDBG program, and I was a processing assistant, so processing payments, and that's how I developed connections with folks all around the state and rural places, helping them get paid on their uh, on their grant payments. Uh, from there, I was able to get a grants management position at the North Carolina Rural Center. So I was able to kind of switch over from just the payments to actually working with the projects and communities uh, in their physical infrastructure office, where we work the Clean Water Partners uh, Supplemental uh, Infrastructure Program, where we, man, put a lot of money out to help pro help communities, smaller communities, uh, with projects that have uh, environmental uh environmental issues. And that was very, uh, very interesting because I had didn't have a lot of experience in infrastructure before that. And I, oh man, I learned a lot about how that plays a really big part in the communities, economic mm -hmm. development, and pretty much everything we do, you have to be able to flush the toilet and get clean water out the sink. From there, uh, I was I got pulled back to the Department of Commerce for about another year uh, when some funds got pulled from the Rural Center to Commerce, and I wound up managing a couple of more programs. So I went from water and sewer to community development programs with CDCs and OICs in the state. I've also worked the Small Towns Economic Prosperity Program, it was a capacity building program, uh, uh, an economic uh, innovations program and a workforce development program. I shepherded them for a year at Commerce. Then I was I left Commerce and went to the Golden Leaf Foundation. Uh, at Golden Leaf, I was 
kind of like their water and sewer expert, but I really got thrown in the mix on a lot of different types of projects, uh, education projects, uh, working with uh, high schools, community colleges and colleges. Uh, I caught a lot of economic development projects involving water and sewer. They, they you really took advantage of that experience and that was helpful. Golden Leaf really enlightened me on uh, just the full range of economic development and the, you know, just the, the different types of investments that you make and, you know, the decision making that goes into it. I worked Golden Leaf for almost five years and I decided to leave just to kind of spread my wings a little bit more because the taking a job at Golden Leaf was right after I finished my master's degree. So I was kind of like a little young bird ready to fly. So I took a leap off the cliff. I went to an organization called uh, Rural Forward NC. And at Rural Ford, I was doing some capacity building work and community uh, organizing. And they had me out in the Edgecombe and Nash County area, working with different organizations like the Just Foods Collaborative uh, and doing facilitation work and just really helping those communities build. And that was during the pandemic. Uh, so it was, a, oh man, it was very interesting times for those folks. And I grew so much personally. I mean, I, I think I provided some help to them because I came into that realm with a different mindset than a lot of folks who had been in it. But it just helped me develop uh, the facilitation skills, but really just that empathy uh, as far as working with folks who are really hands on on the ground, dealing with that stuff and trying to deal with organizations and uh, hurting people and, you know, trying to get funds and keep it going and uh Keep, you know, keep the staff going and stay connected to the community and keep the work focused in the right direction. But I did that for about a year. Then I got the call from NC Pro. Um, they had a position where they needed somebody with some water and sewer experience. And I got the call. I spoke with Stephanie and the team there, Jamila. And I decided to make the jump over to NC Pro because this was interesting. It's, you know, I'd been working in the trenches in the pandemic, well, virtually in the trenches in the pandemic. And now I have a low opportunity to work with it at a statewide level and helping the state as a whole uh, through, the, through the crisis. And that was interesting. It, in the beginning, we worked with a lot of communities, helping them out uh, with the federal funds that were coming. Uh, and over the last year or so, as the state's been able to roll out their package of uh, fiscal recovery funds from the feds. I've been working with agencies. So I work with, now I work with uh, the state fiscal recovery funds uh, with DEQ, uh, which is Department of Environmental Quality, DIT, Department of Information Technology, uh, some projects commerce, and uh, have a couple of side one side projects with them. But also in the mix is the EDA tourism program that my uh, my executive director uh, thought that with my experience at commerce and with economic development that I would, I was probably better suited than some other folks at the staff to work with this program. Mm -hmm. So she threw this on my plate and uh, that's how I got to meet you and the folks at commerce and mm -hmm. restaurant lodging association and really been trying to, well, I'm learning, but just, oh my God, it's been amazing to see the kind of work that you all are doing on this aspect of uh pandemic recovery as far as really trying to solidify uh, that tourism industry. So uh, my, my path to get here has really been interesting, but it's been a learning experience and it still is in uh, the smartest person, one of the smartest people I've ever met. They 
really taught me that the most important thing you can do in life is to just keep on learning and trying new stuff. Well, and it's, it's, uh, intellectually stimulating, you know, to, to keep go into these different areas and yet all these areas connect everything you just said. And that was a lot, like you have worked in so many different areas, topical areas and geographic areas, um, doing so many different types of functions alongside rural communities, all that builds on each other. So, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily equate water and sewer with tourism, but you sure need to have good water and sewer if visitors are going to want to, you know, be attracted to come to your area. Oh, most definitely. Uh, Bill Ray Hall, uh, one of my favorite teachers uh, over at the Rural Center, uh, they really push community economic development. So that's looking at economic development and community development kind of combined. So, you know, you can't just look at the dollars coming in from the companies or the customers, and you can't just look at the communities from houses and people. They work together because those communities uh, provide the opportunities for the businesses uh, to come in. And those businesses have people that need to live there. And, you know, as you try to attract folks to come in your areas, you really need to have the community solid and the business community solid working yeah. together well and and you you said you know so much marquise and you you were saying you were talking about different organizations and your capacity in these different organizations but but even just getting someone you know if a listener were trying to get their head around all these different organizations that exist that serve rural communities or that work alongside rural communities like what advice would you give them in terms of like learning this landscape of all these different you know organizations because it's confusing uh yes i think that it's confusing part was very is very uh key <laughs> to this because it's a lot and i mean the biggest thing i learned from people in rural communities is uh yeah. they do a lot but they have to do it on limited resources and the biggest key to try to understand this is don't be afraid to call somebody and ask and don't be afraid not to know because you have people like me who uh, get paid to know different things. Uh, call somebody like me or somebody at other agencies uh, and we'll talk. And if you share what you're trying to do and yeah. we'll, if we can't help it, we'll punch you to another direction. Uh, go to, go to, go to convenings, the rural center and different organizations have convenings where a lot of different funders come in together talk to people, shake their hands, get to know them, get the cards, but really just network, get to know people because it's, it's a lot. Exactly. You cannot feel ashamed to not know exactly yeah. where to go. Feel free to call and ask and talk, share your stories and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. That's such a good point. Not there's, yeah, you should not feel ashamed or, or even concerned about it. You named you know, DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality, DIT, Information Technology, you talked about commerce. You know, we, we've, we've got natural and cultural resources, which have all kinds of um, units within it that relate to tourism and to rural areas. You mentioned the Rural Center. You mentioned Golden Leaf. Um, there's also Tobacco Trust Fund. Um, you've got NC Pro. Um, there's, um, you've got nonprofits like resourceful communities program. You mentioned just foods. I mean, and, and these are state level, but also regional and local uh -huh. level organizations. Um, you can't, you can't, I'm repeating what you just said, cause it was, it was so important. You can't be embarrassed not to know about all these organizations. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a lot, but I mean, and the key that mm-hmm. I, I really learned to Golden Leaf was we're all looking for good projects. So they want to talk. The different agencies mm. talk. Everybody's looking for good projects, and if you're doing good work, they talk about you. So you know, again, their stories. I've been you know really really work to find like minded organizations, organizations that are into or that are looking to fund what you're looking to do, and you know just. That, that partnership and collaboration and that that partnership word is something that really was ingrained in me at the Rural Center. Again, working under Billy Ray Hall, uh, it, everything is a partnership from these state agencies to the communities and the communities to their citizens who are their citizen partners. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, we're so fortunate to be able to work with you and interact with you through Uplift um, because you know, not only are you holding us accountable uh, for for the work that we're doing and the impact that we're trying to make, and then the good work that the community communities are doing, because that's the really fun part. I get to tell you about all the good stuff that the communities are are doing on their own. Um, but you're, but we also get to learn from you and learn from your perspective, um, and um, and that's been a lot of fun for me personally. Nah, it's it's been great for me also learning from you all and learning how you uh, move and shake with the folks on the ground. You're a good motivator, Carol. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, listen, back to you. Um, you well, you've named a lot of um, organizations there, uh, some that you've had different roles in. What was your favorite? Oh, man. I, I thought about this question for a little bit, but I would say, oh, man, I mean, my favorite, I mean, the Rural Center is really close to my heart because that's the organization that gave me the biggest shot and really got me on my feet going. But I have to say my time that year I spent with Rural Ford uh, in, during the pandemic, uh, it was kind of a transition uh, opportunity for me to kind of better myself and learn some new skills. But I, in that transition from Golden Leaf to Rural Ford, I, I just got to a point where I figured I need to find a place to where my personality can be a, a work asset. And working with communities directly, I've been talking with folks that are on the ground that really gave me an opportunity that actually myself, who I am in the core, was actually valuable to the people I was working with in business. Uh, you know, come, I'm from Henderson, I'm from Vance County. So when I talk to folks in rural places, I'm from a rural place. So I can relate really easily and it's not fake and it's genuine. And it's, it's, I can be passionate about that because I really want the next generation of folks like me to come out uh, on the end, better end of the better, uh, come out at a better starting point. So yeah, that time at Rule Four was great because it really got me opportunity to work directly with the people uh, on the ground and meet, you know, hear directly from citizens that are receiving the work. And oh man, it it, it was it was very fulfilling and <laughs> very fulfilling work. And at the end of each meeting, you knew and you could see the growth in folks. So uh, that was good. And plus, their staff and leadership there. Oh my God, they they helped me become such a be- so much of a better person. Yeah, it, it's it's good work. It's 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 meaningful, and and we grow from it. Even if that if we're if that's not our motivation, it's 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 a result. It you know even if we're going into it with different motivations, we we come out a a, a better and changed person because of of what we of, of the people we get to uh, interact with. Yeah, most definitely, and you know. Uh, we got a lot of organizations here in the state, especially uh, when you get to the nonprofit sector. I mean, folks are very passionate and we have some, oh God, some so talented people doing this kind of work in the shadows. Uh, 
I mean, if folks really knew some of the people and the accolades they have doing the, doing the community work, uh, you you would be shocked. But we have such great uh, philanthropy network here in North Carolina. It was great to be a part of it. Interesting to work with it uh, from the state level now mm-hmm. and see what they're doing in conjunction with what we're doing. But just the work that the philanthropy sector in North Carolina is doing on a day-to-day basis, uh, building capacity around the state. It's fantastic. It's the lifeblood that people don't see. Yeah. Yeah. And we could name a bunch of philanthropy or philanthropic organizations as well and foundations doing there's there. And I'm, I keep thinking of like different names of nonprofits and um, and other agencies involved. We won't go there, though. Uh, you mentioned you were um, you're, you're living in um, in Vance County right now, right? No, no, I'm actually in I'm in Franklin County. So I kind of split the distance. Yeah, I split the distance between Vance County and Raleigh. Uh, gotcha. Well, was there um, was there any key interaction? I mean, uh, Franklin is still considered rural, so so you know that leads into my next question. You know, were there any key interactions that led you to rural work that you can relate to us? Oh man, honestly, that was totally by chance. Uh, I, I got the position at my first position in commerce, that first stint with DCA as a temporary receptionist, you know, going over to rural center, that was just an opportunity that slid by my desk by somebody that thought that my personality would fit and they thought I would be good in this arena. Honestly, it, it, after, you know, at DCA, that first stint in commerce, it got me into kind of the more governmental uh, public work. But after going to the rural center, that's been, that's my heart. Uh, I, I do not want to do anything other than working with and for the folks in rural North Carolina, because I can, I mean, from Murphy to Manio, I've been all around, uh, talked to them both sides of the aisle. And when it comes down to it, we're all the same kind of folk. And I, I really just like helping them out. And I love visiting them too. Oh my God. Yeah. I know that about you. I like, I like inviting you uh, out to counties when we're doing something that um, I, I feel is relevant that you know, I want you to see and, and want you to be a part of. Yeah, I, I like it because, I mean, again, and that's when I'm a tourist. I get to go see a place that I hadn't yeah. seen, shop at some little small shops that aren't chain shops, right. eat at little right. restaurants that, you know, you wouldn't get other places and just feel that culture. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you go to a small town and you see a bunch of people that just appreciate their small yeah. town. Well, other than those travels that you that you just mentioned, um, which are probably not very often, you have to stay in the office and and do do a lot of paperwork. I know. Um, other than that, what how does your work relate to rural tourism? I mean, you mentioned working with Uplift and and managing that account. Uh, what else? Uh, I would say, at a higher level, the work we do kind of connects with that because I mean the projects over at DEQ. I mean those are water sewer projects all around the state, uh, water sewer, stormwater projects that really, I mean, really are the foundation of those communities. I mean they wouldn't be able to have have people, or those communities would literally go bankrupt if their systems uh, collapsed or went wrong. So that's one aspect of it. I really. Uh, that's that's I mean that's very interesting. People don't really realize it, but that's one of the easiest ways for a community to go bankrupt is for your water and sewer system, because uh, that's very expensive. And rural communities have less people, and even some of the more touristy destinations, they have even less uh, regular residents. So you know, getting that kind of support and making sure the infrastructure is uh, strong for when they do have the flood of those extra people is important. Uh, the stuff with DIT, I mean, that's broadband. That's trying to really get more high-speed internet out 
to a lot of, you know, last mile internet out to a lot of those further reach places. Uh, I mean, better internet you have, the better, the more likely you are to get people to come and stick around for a little bit longer. Because I mean, now it's so much stuff that's that can be done remotely. Uh, but we have better internet access in rural communities that are encourage more people to branch out of the bigger cities and go spend more time in the in the more further away places with the with the better scenery. And if we can get that, I mean, that's going to really help those communities uh, survive, get more foot traffic. But Hey, I just look at it as mankind. I mean, get get people outside more. It's easy to get outside in a bigger city and and see some trees and smell some fresh air. Uh, and then again, the work at commerce—that's you know, workforce development and a lot of other things. I even work with a motorsports program uh, over at commerce. That's I mean, that's tourism and uh, economics all built in. Uh, one of the big wins in that program and the focus of commerce were able to help out the folks in. Uh, in North Wilkesboro, uh, they had the NASCAR uh, All-Star Race here this year. And that came partly, you know, though some of the, the SFRF funds helped that community prepare uh, the track for that event. And that was a big boom for that area and for the, the racing industry in North Carolina. So uh, it's at a higher level now. I mean, I, I, I really do enjoy working with folks directly, but it's good stuff. It's been good stuff to work at this level. I love that, Marquise. I have never heard anyone so eloquently describe how infrastructure such as sewer and water and broadband intersect with tourism. That was that was absolutely beautiful. Um, and and you mentioned um, uh, Murphy Demania. You you said that earlier in the in the um, in the episode. And so I want to ask you, you. It sounds like you've you've traversed Murphy Demania. Um, can you name all one hundred counties? I mean, you can do them. In alphabetical order, you can start in the west. You know, with with what, what's the most westernmost county? The westernmost county is that uh, is that Cherokee? I'd county? say Cherokee. Yeah, yeah, and then and then yeah. going to what like Curry Talk and Dare. Yeah, Dare County. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't name them all in order, but I could probably. I could probably shoot around. I know we played a game at work not too long ago where it was like a silhouette of a county or guess the county. I love that. And I'm, yeah, I can, I can, my, my North Carolina trivia is pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. So, you, so I'm not going to get you to even try. Oh, no, no. I, that would be, that would, that would be a long drawn out, uh, a lot of ums and what's. <laughs> um, all right. So, so, what is your greatest wish for rural communities in regards to tourism or just in general? Uh, my greatest risk for rural communities is for them to have the capacity to bring back the talent that they develop. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of good people, uh, a lot of good inquisitive young minds are, are, are brought up in rural communities and those rural communities in their schools develop those, that talent. Then that talent goes off to college and then, a lot of times, you know, the brain drain, they leave and go to the big cities and make the big cities great. But, you know, I really want to see uh, rural communities build up their in infrastructure internally, uh, you know, physical and social uh, and economic so that those younger people that leave and go to, you know, get educated and get cultured in, you know, bigger places that when they're ready to have their kids, they will want to go and raise their kids in, a, in an environment similar to that and get, you know, go for that slower lifestyle, uh, but really 
you know, get them have give them opportunities to actually come back. Because I mean, even now in a lot of our rural communities, a lot of the kids nowhere for them to go. There's no housing stock for them. Uh, no, no jobs for them in those areas in the fields that they really want to work. So having uh, you know infrastructure to increase the amount of just general jobs, but also having that broadband connection to where folks can do a lot of different and a variety of jobs in more, more uh, further out places. Uh, and it gives them that opportunity. And then that provides them the opportunity of actually being able to get the home ownership because it's going to be cheaper to own a home and own some land in a rural community than it is in the middle of Raleigh or Durham somewhere. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's a win-win situation, but I really want to see uh, those young people really go back because when it comes to the leadership of those communities, uh, I mean, one thing I've learned is the folks from the communities run the communities better. Uh, you can get some the best and brightest out of the schools, but they're going to be transit. Are they going to, you know, work there for a little bit, work there for a little bit, move around, build a career up, pay off their loans, and then, you know, migrate somewhere else. But folks who are from those communities and they're there, they're really just going to hunker down and build those communities up organically uh, and, and, and on a long-term basis that really has ripple effects, a generational effect when you really get a strong local leader that's there and they, they're bought into that community, not just bought into the job for the salary. Preach. Absolutely. I love it. You, you, you have such a command of, of the rural scene and, and, um, and what all of the dynamics that um, go on in the rural community and uh, in and out of the, the rural community. I, I can't think of a, that was just beautiful. Yes. Um, is there anything else I should be asking you about rural dynamics, uh, rural needs, um, misperceptions about rural communities? Mm. I would say, I mean, uh, I would say as far as needs for rural communities, I think uh, information mm -hmm. is key. So again, uh, programs like uh, Uplift uh, is really helpful because networking, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. opportunities for them community, those communities to go out and talk to other communities okay. similar to them. That's right. Uh, the biggest eureka moment that I've seen for them is to realize somebody else is in the same boat. That's right. Uh, once they realize somebody else is in the same boat, that tears down like a big wall and that allows them to feel more comfortable, like I mentioned earlier, to ask those questions. They might feel like it's a bad question, but the only bad question is the one you don't ask. Uh, and again, attracting talent. I mean, I learned this analogy, or at least I grew up with my dad in the country watching Western. And, you know, in the Westerns, they have the sheriff, you know, he'll have the sheriff hat on. And if he just as a he'll walk in and change hat. Then if you need a judge, you walk in a change hat. Uh, that's how a lot of these administrators are in these rural communities. They're wearing a lot of hats. And, you know, folks in the rural communities, I think they see it. But I hope people realize that they, those folks in those areas that are running those towns are dealing with complicated stuff. You know, they're dealing with grants and stuff. Uh, federal, Even now, this is federal money. They got to deal with that. They don't have a big staff, yeah. but they got to do it. Uh, so just... I would love to see just more support for those rural leaders uh, that are that are uh, working with communities uh, and, you know, just the network of support that they have, that that network is supported, you know, League of Municipalities, uh, Association of County Commissioners, the COGS, just making sure that they're in a position to provide that kind of support at a higher scale, because we really want those communities to grow. Uh, you're not going to be able to flood every small community with a lot of help, but if you're regional partners that are there to support you, if they're strong, 
then they can really have that reach to get directly to the folks that need it. Uh, and, you know, and not and, and their help not get mixed up in politics. Yeah. yeah. And, and COG being the Council of Government, you mentioned an acronym. I wanted to clarify that for folks. Well, Marquise, thank you. This has been amazing. It's all I always enjoy our conversations. Um, one last question for you. The, the name of this podcast is Interactions and Attractions. And I found out that the interaction that led you into rural areas is someone slid slid a, a, a job description on your desk. I love that. What's your favorite attraction? Oh, man. Uh, favorite attraction... I would say, and and this is something I I got to see uh, while on a site visit with one of my with the rural center uh, going around. But uh, Looking Glass Falls, uh, north of Brevard, uh, I had a we, I did a project where we were working with uh, I think the water treatment plant in Brevard. And after I finished, after I finished working with the engineer and town manager, uh, I was on the way out going back to stay at Asheville, and he asked me, "Oh, so going to Asheville? You're going to take the regular way or you want a scenic route and i saw that the little evil look in his eye i'm like what's the scenic route <laughs> so how to get up through the blue ridge trail and go to Asheville. and on the way there i just stopped at all the little stop offs taking pictures and when i saw looking glass falls i'm like oh wow this is cool and it's right off the road so uh that was cool and i've been there about four or five times outside of it and man i've been to reward about four or five times visiting taking friends and uh, just showing them like, hey man, this is this little place is That's cool. They have white squirrels. Yeah, that white squirrels and a really cool toy store. You can't beat nice. That. That's your spot. I know, and 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 not only white squirrels uh, in real life, but big statues. Oh yeah, yeah. They they really dig the white squirrels there, and <laughs> I actually saw one, and I'm like, wow, that's me neat. too. And I know that is cool. That is cool. That's your see spot. how they incorporate that in their community and their identity. It's like. Yeah, this is a really cool small town. I like this. They're they're using what they have to bring people in. And when people get there, they treat them so well that you want to come back and tell other people. That's I mean, that's the beauty of small town North Carolina and small town America. Okay, now now we all want to go check out Looking Glass Falls. That's awesome. Marquise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all the things you do for rural North Carolina. Um, I'm grateful to you. I'm so happy we get to work together. And thank you for being on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you for having me. And, you know, hey, thank you to all the folks in rural North Carolina who helped me become who I am, you know, Mass County specifically. But uh, thanks to all those rural people for just giving me a reason to be passionate about my work. That's all we have today on Interactions and Attractions. Thank you all for joining us. Stay tuned every Monday and Friday for new releases and be sure to stay updated on what Uplift is doing through our social media. The Uplift program is funded under award 04790789 from the Economic Development Administration, U.S. Department of Commerce. The conversations, insights, and recommendations are those of the podcast production team and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Economic Development Administration or the U.S. Department of Commerce.